0: to the worst bestsellers, where we read about the crimes of adultery, buggery, and witchcraft so you don't have to. I'm Kate. And I'm Renata. And for this episode, we read The Other Boleyn Girl by Philippa Gregory. Joining us to discuss this prequel to Six is Anne Foster, a librarian, podcaster, and Anne Boleyn truther. Hello, Anne.
1: Hello, hello. I'm so happy to be here. I'm happy I manifested this. Um, What a treat. Excellent.
2: We're so happy to have you here with your historic expertise. Cause if you don't know Anne, she hosts Vulgar History, which is a feminist women's history podcast that's you know, it's fun and it's and it's educational. If you can be both, but this book is not both, no. but Vulgar History is. <laughs> yes.
1: <laughs> I do want to mention, yeah, I have not talked about Anne Boleyn or the other Boleyn girl, Mary Boleyn, on my podcast. Mm-hmm. So I'm coming in with some facts and information But, you know, not not as much as if I had spent 12 hours Talking about them on my podcast Which is well, fair Well, you, you
2: know more than us Because yeah. most of what I know is from the Broadway musical Six Which Same. didn't mention hardly any of this stuff <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yeah, she grew up in the French court Oui, oui, bonjour, I know this part Oh, there's way more Oh <laughs> Uh, like way more this
0: book is fucking long as hell yeah I was gonna say like perhaps hot take didn't need to be longer than that <laughs> I would say
1: like I- I'm coming in with hot takes exclusively and what I would say is like six took out all the unnecessary stuff that is also boring and this book put in extra stuff that is also boring and that's the balance of those two things
2: yeah, And Six has bops. This book doesn't have any bops in it. It doesn't even have green sleeves. I was which is gonna like...
0: say not even green sleeves. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, I-,
2: I guess also content warnings for like I, I mean all-, all the bad history things of like violence against women and beheading and like period typical homophobia and like miscarriage and uh you know all the bad things that happened in the 16th century yeah which probably shouldn't be a surprise but just a heads up yeah yeah uh okay yeah so this book is like over 600 pages long it's it's not as long as outlander but less stuff happened like the. And you know that I thought Outlander was too long and not enough stuff happened in Outlander. But this book, the amount of things that happen per page ratio, it's even lower. It's so tedious.
1: We were like emailing, we're like, what should we do? It should be something historical. And we landed on this. And I'm like, yeah, that's good. I'm like, I remember reading that book. I remember it like brought up feelings in me. I did not remember how long it was. And I was like, oh my God, I feel really bad that I'm making them read this book that is so long. And I'm like, no, no, they read Outlander. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) This is yeah. half as long as Outlander.
0: <laughs> oh, God, yeah. it's true. So, uh, funny story. Uh, as, <laughs> uh, as most of you know, I really only read via audiobook these days. And I went to go take this audiobook out of the library. And I remember thinking, like, uh, I need to start it. Because uh, I also, as if you listen to the podcast regularly, you know I listen to audiobooks on at least 2x. So I was like, yeah, I kind of remember this book from my bookseller days being long, so I should start it like at least a week in advance. And I went to go download it. And I was like, oh, I thought this was long, but it's only like six and a half hours. That'll be fine. And then, you know, Blissfully was like, I'll just keep listening to, you know, fucking Taylor Swift on Spotify for a week because I (laughs) have so much time to listen to this book. And then Renata and I were doing our Stardew Valley co-op farm that we do with some friends. And she like casually was like, hey, so have you started the other Berlin girl yet? And I was like, no. And, you know, we were like three days away from recording at that point. And I could tell something by the tone of her voice when she was like, it's so long, though. And I was like, no, it's not. It's like six. And then it dawned on me. And I have indeed taken the abridged version out of the library because there was no full-length version available from the library. And it didn't even occur to me that that would something that I should look for. So uh, I kind of dodged a bullet on this one because instead of reading, listening to the 22-hour <laughs> version of this, mine was six and a half hours long.
2: And look, I think that if you can cut your book down by like two thirds over two, I can't do math. Yeah, six, it's six hours out of 22. Yeah, that's so short. And to have it still be like enough that you can call it the same book, like maybe the long version could use a few more edits. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yes, yes.
1: I was looking at like just your notes, Renata, when you're talking about this story. There's so much just like, she goes back to Heaver. She returns from Heaver. She goes back to Heaver. It's like, I feel like the abridged would just be like,
0: she went there once and that, you get the point. She goes every time, but it's like a sentence. It's like, she was there with her children and it was great. And then she had to come home and she was sad. And then she went back to court and then court was bad. And then she went back like it's it's just really a lot of like traveling and her being sad that she's not with her children and that's all
1: it is longer too <laughs>
0: yeah
2: yeah it occasionally okay i guess if you don't know who the other boleyn girl is it's mary she's the younger sister of anne boleyn surely you've heard of anne boleyn from six the musical of nothing else or the song uh, green sleeves or the song green sleeves or just like you know being actually one of the six wives of henry he, she made it to the history books Mary not I, I mean she made it to this book but maybe you haven't heard of her she's here she's boring Um, I wanted to just
1: mention before I forget I, like throughout this book the two of them refer to themselves as the Berlin girls and, and one or the other themselves as the other Berlin girl 54 times
2: yes <laughs> Yeah, they're constantly saying the name of the book yeah <laughs> And especially Anne will say it As like kind of a threat Or like a dig Like you'll be the other Berlin girl And it's like okay That's the name of the book hmm And there's a, a lot of stuff in here That's sort of To me at least Pinged is like Sort of anachronistic And maybe sort of like A reference But not really a joke Like it's not fully You know Funny Ahistorical Like a You know Monty Python Or whatever It's just sort of like Huh
0: yeah yeah and I I according to this book, because again I after I listened to the six and a half hours that I listened to, I read the Wikipedia page on the book and I was like I didn't miss anything according to Wikipedia page there's no like big plot point that I was like, oh, this wasn't included unlike when we read um whatever that, the wally lamb book and i was on the wikipedia and i was like half the things listed on here i didn't hear in the abridged version. oh
2: yeah i know this much is true cut out major subplots
0: from the abridged audio i remember yeah and you know a- according to the wikipedia page whether or not what happens in this book how close it is to what actually happened historically is i guess not surprise like we'll see so why don't we talk a little bit about the premise of the book and then, Anne, you can fill us in on what the actual historical, whether or not, uh, how accurate it is. Okay. Okay. I'll accurate. hold back. So the, the book starts with Mary, the other Boleyn girl, who is – she is the, younger of th- the youngest of three siblings, the younger daughter. She is a lady in waiting for Queen Catherine of England. She loves her job. She's 13. She just got married. She loves the it queen. Actually, there's a there's a little prequel
2: where Mary watches her uncle get beheaded, and it's it's foreshadowing for other people getting
0: beheaded. Dun dun dun. Yes. Any- so she's 13. She's newly married. She's like excited. Loves be loves working with the queen. Like everything's great. And her sister Anne comes back from the French court where she had been. And Anne is older and, like, sexier. She's, like, older, like, at 15. Yes, yes. <laughs> by older, not by much. But she's, like, a more, like, w- witty and intelligent and conniving girl. Whereas Mary is just like, oh, like, I just want to be, like, a good wife and mother. But then Mary, with her beauty, catches the king's eye because his wife famously could not bear him a son and he had a wandering eye and he looked at Mary and she was beautiful and decided that he was going to go after her and got her pregnant and she bore a couple children for him. And then he got tired of her and set his sights on her sister Anne and that played out the way it plays out in the history books. And one of the things that is like, it is a strong emphasis throughout the book is that Mary was a virginal new wife, new bride. She, you know, had, she was very meek and very, you know, devoted to like her womanly ways and pleasing her husband and being a good wife and being a good girl. And Anne was not. Anne was smart and sexy and here to fuck shit up. And that's the dichotomy that we're presented with in the book. Yeah. Anne was
2: ambitious and Mary was obedient. Yes.
1: It's a dichotomy that might be familiar to anyone who's read the Sweet Valley High books.
0: Yes. Yes. That's our (laughs) core audience. So good.
1: (laughs) It's literally that because it's like the two of them and like the. The fighting between them, and then just looking for the hunks of Tudor Tudor court, <laughs> and, like sitting there <laughs> them. He's the most handsome man I've ever seen. I'm like, oh, and they're also 17 or whatever. And I'm just like, oh, this is just
2: Wayfield twins. Like <laughs> it day is, it is. And then even like Elizabeth and Jessica were always like the way that they talked about their brother steven and like how he was the way they would talk about him being like so like you know he was like such a hunky football player whatever and he was older and they were like so excited when he'd come home from college that's giving the same like vaguely incestuous vibes as as ann and mary have with their brother george oh my god i didn't even think of that but that's also an added yeah
0: wakefield level oh so how much – because from what I read on Wikipedia, what I skimmed briefly on Wikipedia yeah. on my phone while listening to the last 10 minutes of this book, that whole setup appears to maybe not be historically accurate.
1: Okay. So I, I'm going to – I was trying to think. I'm like, how can I – how how where to start explaining the historical accuracy of this book and the role that this plays in like Tudor fandom to this day. so okay so Philippa gregory was she wrote other books and this was her first like tutor book and it just like blew up it was so popular and it's still so popular and it kind of set off the like tutor craze like the tutors tv show and now there's like six like she kind of kicked that off and her later she's since written books about like every tutor woman and tertiary person in existence (laughs) And they're not like this. (laughs) This like I think had she rewritten this book, Anne Boleyn would have maybe been less of like (laughs) Rasputin from the animated Anastasia movie. (laughs) Which is my god.
2: I wish though. I wish Anne had had a talking animal sidekick in it though.
1: (laughs) She should have in in the movie. I wish she had. So this book is like very divisive in like the Tudor fandom of which I am tertiarily a member of. Um <laughs> I asked my podcast listeners because I was just like, what what are the vibes? What do people think about this book like now? And most people are like, oh my God, I love it. This is why I got interested in history. Like it's such a great book. And I'm like, oh, this is this is the vibe. And then I was saying something on TikTok about Henry the Eighth, and somebody left a comment like, oh my God, Mary Boleyn, she was so young. I can't believe all that happened to her. So the thing is people are taking this fiction book as like truth. And it's so popular like it's probably the most widely read book about Anne Boleyn there is and it's wildly inaccurate so that's mm. the controversy Um, it's kind of like if somebody 50 years from now or I don't know 200 years from now was like I'm going to write a biography of Meghan Markle but my only source is going to be Pierce Morgan's tweets
2: oh no <laughs> <laughs> No, <laughs>
1: <laughs> like that's that's those are the sources Philippa Gregory was looking at, and she says, "I don't know if in the abridged version you get the like afterward from the author."
0: Oh, I the second it was like the music started playing, I was like, "Done, done, so. yeah,
1: no." As you should be. <laughs> so in my version of it, there was like an afterward from her where she specifically shouted out, "She's like, and I love my research. Like, I really looked at the work of this woman. I'm probably going to say this wrong. It's Retha Wernicke. And I was like, OK, who's that? And it's like, oh, she's like a widely discredited person with like wild theories that like all of the historical academics are like, no, don't pay attention to her at all. And Philip feel Gregory was just like she was my main source. You know, thank you so much, Retha Wernicke, for all of your important research about how Anne Boleyn's downfall wasn't because of the schism of like Catholic and Protestant, but really it was because of gay men and a deformed fetus and incest.
2: <laughs> quote, quote from the author's note. I have followed Warnicki's original and provocative thesis that the homosexual ring around Anne, including her brother George, and her last miscarriage created a climate in which the king could accuse her of witchcraft and perverse sexual practices.
1: Okay. Yeah, so no one said that at the time? (laughs) And there was, like, this is, like... In history, there was a lot of people who really hated Anne Boleyn, and they were writing down everything that happened. And those people didn't write any of those things down. Like, she was not accused of witchcraft. So that's, like, a historical inaccuracy. But then also what's crazy is that Retha Wernicke herself has disavowed this book. She's like, Philippa Gregory, no. <laughs> <laughs> you went too far. You went too far with my provocative thesis. So, like, she's like, no, don't bring me in this, into this, Philippa Gregory. So it's just like floating on its own little island of like no one actually <laughs> wants to claim any ownership of this like wild book that has like really bananas claims that aren't even based on like what Anne Boleyn was actually accused
2: of. And like, and I can't stress this enough: when you say like homosexual witchcraft circle, I'm like hell yeah. It's so boring though. Like, yeah. how do you how do you make the most boring homosexual witchcraft circle? It's on. It's staggering, frankly. To,
1: to me, what is more confounding about this like 10,000 page long book is that the pacing of it is like the first. Yes. And this is where I'm going to guess a lot of the abridgment happened because Mary Boleyn's life in this book is incredibly boring. And we're following her where it's like versus like if this book was about the main Boleyn girl, not the other Boleyn girl, that would be maybe an interesting book. Because Anne Boleyn, such a more interesting character in this book, for instance, she does things and is interesting. The other Boleyn girl, Mary, is so boring. And what's wild about in terms of historical inaccuracy is she was not. Like, Philippa Gregory has invented Mary Boleyn being this, like, well, A, 13-year-old. No, she's probably 10 years older than that. And she was older than Anne Boleyn, like, almost definitely. Oh. Like, Anne Boleyn met Henry when she was, like, 25. Oh. So Mary would have probably been around that age when she met him. So this whole book where it's like, like the person on TikTok who's like, oh my God, this poor 13 year old, like where it's like, that's not (laughs) (laughs) Henry VIII kind of famously went after women aged people, except for Catherine Howard, which was exceptional because that was the one time he like went for a teenager. Anyway, so the fact that she's this like 13 year old married woman is like, that's not a thing that happened
2: in general yeah and i and i know that that and also like witchcraft are two things that are sort of like widely misrepresented in history of this era like mm-hmm. that, that that's an idea that a lot of people have that like there were these child brides and and my understanding is that it was very rare and when it did happen it was like a symbolic you know like king and princess marriage that wasn't Intended to be sexual for some time.
1: No, exactly, exactly. So like um Henry the I think if I'm doing it, his grandmother, Margaret Beaufort was um like this was notorious. Like she was married off when she was 12, she had a baby when she was 13, she almost died. Like she would have died, like any most 13-year-olds would having to deliver a full-term baby. And like none of these wealthy families wanted their heiresses to die. Like, they would not have the marriages consummated until the girls were, like, had <laughs> hips, you know? Like <laughs> Yeah. So the fact that Mary Boleyn is, like, married at age 13 is weird. Um, The fact that, like, they make her 13, odd. The fact that they make her be younger, also weird. Because, like, in these families, you marry the oldest, like, in Pride and Prejudice, like, you marry the oldest to youngest. Yeah. That's, like, yeah. how this works. So, like, why would she be younger? So that's weird. And also, Mary Boleyn was the mistress of the King of France before she went to England. So she was already known as, like, that great whore
2: or something like that. Damn. Like, this is is much more interesting. How much better of a book would it be
1: if it's, like, the other Boleyn girl who's even more scandalous instead of the other Boleyn girl who's,
2: like, Elizabeth Wakefield? Like... By the way, I never saw the movie, which this book came out in 2001. The movie is 2008. The cast of this movie is bananas. Oh, my gosh. It's like pre-fame
1: every skinny British man.
2: Yeah. So first of all, in the movie, Mary is Scar Scarlett Johansson, and Anne is Natalie Portman, like clutch. And then Mary's first husband is Benedict Cumberbatch. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And... (laughs) And Eddie Redmayne is her second husband. It's yeah. like, yeah, it's like Tumblr Twink City in here. Uh, <laughs> Andrew Garfield was Francis Weston, who's... And then, okay, here's what I want to talk about, is Jane Parker, who is George's, like, horrible bitch shrew wife, yeah. is played by Juno Temple, a.k.a. Keely, from... Uh, from fucking... Ted Lasso. Yes.
1: Yes. What? And I think that's, like, her coming hot off of being in Atonement, where she's also the, like, bitchy in-law, sister-in-law. So she was kind of, like, having a moment of that Juno Temple. It's a bananas cast. And then Eric Bana yes. is Henry VIII. And yes. what I remember about that movie is he was so devoid of charisma. <laughs> it was just, like, you could have put a potted plant in this role. Like, what is happening?
2: Yeah. Oh
0: the The book... So that was what all you, what you just said was fairly in line with what my brief wikipedia skim because the the book like the i cannot overstate to you the Length this book goes to to make Mary into this sweet, innocent, perfect, good girl who only wants to get with the king because – She loves him. Yeah, she gets to know him and she's like, oh, like he's so kind and I think I'm in love with him and I would like take him – I would be his mistress because I care about him so greatly and – You know, meanwhile, her family is having like family meetings about how they can get the king to pick her as his mistress because if she can give birth to his child, it gives them good standing. And she's like, No, I just want to give birth to his child because I want to do that for him because I think he would love that. And I love him. And then she has babies, and she's like, I just want to be a good, devoted mother. I don't want to leave my children to be raised by nannies. That's terrible. Like, all I care about is being with these children. Her dream is to live as
1: a farmer's wife in the countryside. She says that numerous times. Yeah. She is like the most basic, boring person, which is like a great kind of person to be if that's who you are, but not as the main character in a book. Right.
0: Not like when you are, as far as it seems, completely fictionalizing this person's actual story. Yeah,
1: it's such a weird thing to do to just take out anything interesting about her. And even the fact that she's like the king's mistress. And later in the book, and we're going to get to this in the dramatic readings, like we learn all the like sexual things she's been doing with Henry VIII. And I was just like, she is too basic and boring to have done any of those things. (laughs) Like (laughs) that, that does not compute whatsoever with how she's been presented. But also... If the book had been more like, oh, she's 14 and she's being like groomed by her family and now she's with the king and she thinks she's in love and later she realizes like, oh no, that was just fucked up. That would also be interesting, but that's also not what happens. Like she's so young when this all happens. She's like 21, the mother of like two like five-year-old children. Like yeah, it's bananas.
2: Yeah. And also I like I do think there's a potential like, you know, I think that. There's a potential to have an. I don't mean to say that like if you just want to be a wife and mother that that's boring. And like I think that you certainly can write an interesting book about a woman with like more more simple goals. But I can't. Again, this book was not interesting.
0: It's not and it. It's it's put in this diametric opposition to Anne, who you know does want more, does want the power of being queen, like does want. Like, that's why she she's in it for the money, she's in it for the status, she's in it for the power. And because and like their wants from this are put against each other. Like the book is trying to tell you Mary is good because she wants these things, and is bad because she wants other things. And the book obvious and history in this case, um, with you know, if you're going from this version of reality punishes Anne for wanting to have status Mm -hmm. and power whereas you know Mary gets to have like the perfect life she always wanted because she is a dutiful good girl who loves God and is you know going to be a devoted wife and mother like you're supposed like it is very uh, you know it's not even like this book is boring because she wants to be a wife and mother and people who want that are boring it's this book is boring because nothing happens in it. And also, Mary's desire to be a wife and a mother is bad because it is put as the one true way. And anyone who is not that is punished for it.
1: But then also, it's every the way you're just describing it like, Anne, it's like, yeah, she acts much like the protagonist in a book should act. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and Mary does not. Like, she just like flops around effectively with like a kick me sign on her just being just kind of like like charlie brown all the time just like she's so she doesn't want any like she wants this life whatever but she doesn't do anything to get it she's just like oh i wish i was in the countryside but i'm not so here i am whatever like meanwhile in the background it's it's this such a weird thing it's like I, I don't know it's not like a Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead but it's just like the story is happening over there yes. why are we here with her when there's things happening over there in the other room like Anne is so much more and every time she shows up I'm like thank god Anne is here being a psycho bitch from hell because
0: this book needs <laughs> yes
1: it needs her it, without like it, it needs her she's
0: carrying this book yeah. So so let's let's sort of do kind of the overarching or why don't I I say the overarching of what the six and a half hours I listened to. Yeah. And you tell me what was <laughs> left out. So like we said, the book starts with Anne having just gotten married. And I think she she's been married for like a year or two at this point. And Mary married. Mary's Mary, yes, married. Mary's married. Thank you. Mary's been married for a year or two, and she's nervous because Anne is coming back to court, and she always has felt like not as cool and good as Anne, and she's afraid that when Anne comes back, like she won't be like the most favored lady in waiting anymore and Anne has come back from the French court, and she immediately is like, "Oh my God, the king is hot, and the queen is a bitch and and may i may I pull a quote from Anne?
2: Uh, a quote. I'd put my neck on the block for a chance at him. Okay, Anne. We fucking get it. We got it. Yes. We got it. I also wanted to. Also, this is like
1: the things that other people are mad about. This book are like they make Anne Boleyn be a witch and whatever. And I'm like, no, that was a good change. That made the book interesting. <laughs> but what makes me mad is that the they're talking about Catherine of Aragon, and I had to look up like what is her age because Anne Boleyn is like look at her this menopausal husk of a dried up shrew with her gray hair and i looked it up and i'm like she's like 30 years old <laughs>
0: like, so, in the book they say yeah. she's 37 which i only note it because i am also 37 so.
1: yeah yeah <laughs> and a shrewd husk of a yeah. yes I'm we're, older than we're that. notably yeah. husks yeah. yeah yeah no i'm very husk like over here yeah, and that's a thing that bothers me in general. And it, I think because this book is so pervasive is this understanding of Catherine of Aragon as being this just like withered up <laughs> crazen of a person where it's like she was not that much older than anyone else. Like she and Henry were basically the same age and she was beautiful. And yeah, anyway, so the Tudors, everything they always cast Catherine is this like 56 year old actress who with like gray in her hair who's just like, so sad and speaks with a Spanish accent where it's like, actually, she was really cool and interesting and not. But I can see in this book that Anne Boleyn is like Jessica Wakefield. She's just like, look at that shriveled up old bitch. He should yes. be with some young like me. And I'm like, well, I could see Anne Boleyn saying that. But everyone re- <laughs> but everyone reading
0: the book is also thinking that now, too. Yeah. So Anne immediately is like, she's so old. She's so like whatever. She She's not into the hip, cool Paris fashions like I am. And... Not long after Anne's return, the uh, the president, the king, uh, (laughs) notices Mary and is like, "Oh, like you're really beautiful, like you know you're." He dances with her. They have a there's like a surprise mass dance thing M- mask with a q u
1: e yes it's one of those like whenever you watch any movie set in this time period there's like the changing partners dance where they're wearing masks it's like it's that dance that's at shakespeare love it's like it's like oh the changing partners dance it must be tudor england yeah
0: yes <laughs> so she's she's doing she does that dance she catches the eye of the king the king like flirts with her and is like oh because you know she's not supposed to know who he is because he's wearing a mask even though everyone knows what mask the king is wearing And he's like, oh, like, if the king of England asked you to go away with him, would you do it? And she was like, oh, well, of course, because he's the king and I would do what he asks. And Anne cottons on very quickly that the king is favoring Mary and goes to the family and says, like, look, the king's favoring Mary. We can use this. And the family cooks up a scheme to get Mary into the king's bed. Wait, and but Mary... is, this,
1: is this is this where she faints? Like, I just want to mention yes. where she <laughs> She faints and somehow Anne like lets out the pin in her hair, so Mary's like beautiful blonde hair comes cascading down as she falls. And I was like, that's very
0: Wakefield twins thing to do. True, <laughs> very true. um And Mary, up to this point, I've been like, oh, like I don't want that. Like, I love the queen. I'm loyal to the queen. I wouldn't. I wouldn't want to be the king's mistress. But then after the stance, she's like oh, but I'm in love with him, actually. Like, I have feelings for him, so yes, I'll be his mistress. And the family helps her essentially seduce him. And when she finally does, she can tell, like, the whole time that Anne's very jealous, even though the family, including Anne, are getting a lot of favors because she's now the king's favorite. And Like, he's, she's regularly being escorted by her brother George, who's one in the king's court, to the king's bedroom at night uh, on having sex with him. And everyone knows it, including the queen. And the queen is like, still treats her fairly, but is not, she is no longer the queen's favorite. And she knows that and she feels badly about it. And, you know, up to this point, it's very well known throughout the kingdom that the king has does not produced a male heir yet and the, he needs a male heir in order for the line of succession to continue so the, the idea behind this is if our the daughter from our family gives the king a male heir that will put us high above it th- that will give us a lot of status that is nonsense <laughs> yes So all of this, like, there's there's these big family meetings where they all get together and they're like, okay, like, what are we going to do to make sure that this happens so that we can be favored by the king and we can get good status and make sure that he knocks up Mary with a boy. And he does knock Mary up, but it's with a girl, which sucks. But Mary doesn't care because now that she has seen her daughter, she knows that her new role in life is not to be the lover of the king, but to be a mother to very this much little she's, girl. She's 14 years old. Yes. At this point, yeah. And that is all that is important to her is devoting her life. But of course, she's in court. She can't take care of her own baby. So the baby is left. In fact, Anne is very snide with her when she finds out that she's breastfeeding the baby and is not using a wet nurse Because why would you want to do that? That's terrible. But Mary's like, no, like, I feel closer to my children doing this like their mother. Like, this is important for bonding. You don't understand because you don't have children. Every trope in this book is bad. (laughs) I
1: I agree. And I just want to point out that it is, like, factually true that Mary Boleyn was – the mistress did sleep at least with King Henry the before Anne did. And we know that because later on Henry had to get some sort of special dispensation to be like, I'm going to marry Anne Boleyn. Like, is it okay? Because I had sex with her sister before like that document <laughs> exists. But yeah. the, the way that they talk in this book about like, you'll you'll become the mistress and the family will, whatever, whatever. And it's like Henry the eighth, like fucked a lot of people. I have a book on my shelf. That's called like the wives and mistresses of Henry the eighth. It's like, he fucked a lot of people. They all, like, their families maybe got some benefit, but this whole thing that, like, if you give him a son, then we'll be favored. It's like, no, like, no, let's not. <laughs> that, that'll just be his illegitimate son, like, and he will move on. Like, this doesn't – so the way that the book is so much like, yes, we need to – you need to have more children with him, and then the sons, and then it's like, what are you even talking about? This isn't how any of this works in England. Anyway, I just want to clarify that, yes, yeah, she did, in fact, fuck Henry Eighth at least once. Yes. That's That's that, that true. Good. good to know.
0: So, meanwhile, Anne is courting Henry Percy, who, I don't know, some kind of scholar who's at the castle. I wasn't listening that hard to that part. This went by very quickly in the abridged version. And in secret, he proposes to her. And Mary's really surprised because Anne really seems to care about him, which is not Anne's M.O. She doesn't fall in love with men. She uses men. And... When they are told by the cardinal that the engagement is not valid and that Henry Percy has to go marry someone else and is devastated and angry and is sent away for besmirching the bull and good name.
2: Okay, because I wrote this out in the notes, and I want credit for writing it out. The issue is that Anne and Henry say that their betrothal was de facto, meaning they like proposed and got married, and it's like and um, what's the word consummated? Mm-hmm. Is that it? okay? For some reason, it sounded very wrong to me as I said it. They did that. They they did it wink by the way they use the phrase did it to mean sex in this i'm like are are you literally the wakefield twins like um (laughs) very much so
1: in terms of that it's like this is a time period where like two people could go in a room and hold hands and be like we're married now and that counted like that could that works so and that's where sometimes it would come out like oh this person was like secretly pre-contracted to so-and-so it's like yeah they held hands like in the room and said they were married and now it's like this legal nightmare And Henry Percy, I don't know the details, but I do know when Anne Boleyn had her downfall. There was a whole thing like she was pre-contracted to him was like an issue, but she probably wasn't. But this book was like, Mm. oh, she was. She loved him. They were married. They consummated. It's like this was her great love. Like,
0: so yeah, yeah. Yeah. So Anne is angry. She's mad that Henry is engaged to someone else. Uh, That Percy, Percy Henry is. Um, Henry Percy is married to someone else. Henry the King is kind of hot and cold on Mary. You know, she had gave birth to a girl. And then like there's wars and politics coming on. And this was very briefly covered in the abridged version. I'm sure that maybe that was probably a lot of what was cut out is, you know, there's, there's this war going on. And Queen Catherine, her, she has connections and alliances that she brings because she's from Spain initially. And so when her family is like doing good things, Henry is like besotted with her again. But when they're not carrying their weight, he's like, ah, Mary again. So he, you know, for a while he loves Catherine and he's ignoring Mary, but then he gets mad at Catherine. So he goes back to Mary and Mary gets pregnant again and while mary's pregnant again george their brother the three of them are very close uh perhaps too close there's
1: there's a real flowers in the attic vibe to this sibling relationship
0: and it's weird in the abridged version there's not until the very end like uh, in the abridged version it's very chill it does not seem like it's leading that way at all and then towards the end we'll, we'll get there no i would say in the full version
2: same okay. yeah no
1: it's definitely the same it's like everything's jane parker keeps being like oh why are you guys hanging out together it's like we're siblings chill out but then later george like passionately kisses Anne, and i'm like wait what wait, what 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 like no it just came out of nowhere yeah
0: Yeah, so Jane Parker is the woman who George is marrying. So Anne is let back into the country to attend his wedding, and they all get to hang out like they used to, and it's great. But George does not like Jane Parker. He did not like the last woman he was engaged to. He thinks that that Jane Parker is a gossip and annoying and just wants status, and it drives him crazy, but he has to marry her. So mary pregnant gives birth to a boy this time and is very excited because because she's the world's best mother she's the world's best mother and now henry will be happy with her because she gave him an heir. question mark i don't and even in the book like it's very clear this boy will not be an heir to him no because he's a bastard child this if this was france
1: then It would be the heir because in France, and I don't know a lot about French history, but what I know is that the French king had like a mistress and she was an important job. And like he would decide out of all of his children, legitimate and illegitimate, he's like, that one's going to be my heir. In France, they do that or did that. In England, Henry's whole problem was like his wife had to be the one to give him a son. Like a son from a mistress is useless.
0: Yeah, it's so it's so wild But, like, after this point, after the boy is born, who Mary names after Henry, she stops caring about the king. She does not feel like she's in love with him anymore. He's already set his sights on Anne instead. And she just cares about when she can go to see her children again. And Henry, though, like, still likes her at least a little bit and confesses to her that he doesn't know. He feels like his marriage to Catherine is cursed. And it's because she's his; bro- she was his brother's wife first, and even though they never consummated their marriage, and Mary, knowing the role she's supposed to play, kind of plays into this and then reports it back in a big family meeting that this is happening. And this is where Anne steps in because Anne is smart and she reads books. And she knows things about the Bible and law. And she starts like having all these long conversations with him and they'll take, uh, with Henry, they'll take walks together. And, it, you know, it looks scandalous, but if anyone gets close enough to hear, they're just debating biblical law. And Henry is trying to build up a case that he, he, his marriage to Catherine should be annulled because it was never right in the eyes of God. It was cursed in the first place because she was his brother's wife and that the Pope should annul the marriage so he can get married again.
1: This is the the same rule as where when he wants to marry Anne later on, he had to get a letter being like, it's okay, even though you slept with her sister, you could marry her now. So it's just a thing of like, God doesn't like people to like fuck siblings, basically. Yes.
0: Uh, Mary mostly wants to be around her kids. Henry wants to not be around Catherine anymore. And, you know, Anne is winning his favor. And it is, it is there's just a lot of like back and forth of Mary, like pining for her children and the king getting cozy with Anne to the point where everyone knows that the king is cozy with Anne and everyone loves her. And, you know everyone's starting to like turn their noses up at catherine a little bit and like they think anne's great and they just you know they're mad at catherine for not giving henry like an heir and also not allowing him to be with catherine who like you know should be she should just let the marriage be annulled and all of this stuff and, and then- also because of war with
2: france and because she is from spain and
0: that is, there are like sentences given to that in the abridged version. Like, you know, there's this political stuff going on in the background, but they do not go into any detail. No one's it's here like, for that.
2: Yeah. That's not why we're reading this book. Yeah. It's like, whatever. But, um, but that's part of it. Uh, also, Mary is so annoying in this book because she has no spine and she's so like, oh, but Catherine's such a beautiful queen and she's so devout and I feel terrible about betraying her. But I must betray her at every opportunity because (laughs) I just have to obey my uncle and my sister. And like, she keeps fucking doing it and then she'll go and apologize to the queen and the queen is just kind of like, no, I forgive you because you're just like a little baby. It's just, it's just, like, it would be one thing if, if you were like, oh, Mary's whole thing is that like, she's so pious and like, but she's just a noodle
1: (laughs) she's like it's like um i don't know there's sometimes some other historical movies where it's like there's a cool person who's like a spy or a thief or whatever in history and then the hollywood movie is like but we have to do it because she loves her children it's like we have to make her be like sympathetic so this is like mary is like the mistress of the king but they're like, but we can't make people not like her and not see her as this like bastion of like perfect femininity. So she's doing it, but she feels bad about it, and it's okay actually because she loves him. It's such a weird like, yeah, like labyrinth to get to that.
2: Especially for a book that came out in two thousand one. Like, yeah. if it had come out in like the nineteen fifties, maybe I'd be like, okay, I see the agenda that you're pursuing or whatever. But now it's just like, why?
0: Yeah, what? It's, it's so weird. And, and it also, like, it does lead to this that, that you folks were talking about before, where all of the action is happening when Mary's not there. Mm-hmm. You know, there's all this stuff about, like, Mary, when she goes to, like, the summer estate to spend the summer with her children every year, there's a guy who is the horse man or something, a guard, or I don't know, I was never clear on what his role was, that is with like her uncles under her uncle's employee, who's there to like watch over her. And then like slowly over the course of several summers, they, they start flirting and they start having feelings for each other. And he's so good with her kids. And and meanwhile, while this is happening, like back at the palace, Anne has convinced the king to like overthrow the archbishop uh the the bishop and like go to the pope to have this trial for catherine to prove that their marriage shouldn't have ever existed and is like talking in his ear to get him to establish the church of england and overthrow the pope's rule and we're just like and then william taught my children how to ride ponies <laughs> it's
1: so true it's like it's like can you just move like pivot the camera to the other castle and like can we watch that <laughs> where there's there's things happening but I remember when I watched the movie the first time not that I've watched it more than once I remember when I, I had read the book and then I watched the movie and I think when I first read the book I liked that guy the horseman and I went to watch the movie and the, the role of horseman was cast by like 20 years ago Eddie Redmayne yeah like like the most like I don't like Eddie, like all love to Eddie Redmayne, but I was picturing this like strapping, like, woodsman guy.
0: I think he's described in the book as being real buff. And when you said it was Eddie Redmayne, I was like, that is not who I was picturing. It was Eddie Redmayne 20 years ago.
1: Even more noodly, Eddie Redmayne. Yeah, so I remember being disappointed <laughs> by that in the movie. I'm like, oh, but I feel like they're like, well, we can't have a guy who's more of a hunk than Eric Bana as Henry the Eighth. We can't. I would here. argue
0: that you could find many. I, a lesbian, would argue you could find many guys who are more than a h- of a hunk than. Oh yeah. <laughs> Oh, yeah, well, I, th- I think she's yeah. saying
2: that you don't want them to, to outshine the king
1: Yeah they're like if we Eric Bana is the bastion Of manly hunkiness in this movie It's like okay who else can we cast they all have to Be like sub that so they're like You 20 yeah. year old Eddie Redmayne 20 year old Benedict Cumberpatch like come over here Like this is what we need yeah
2: Well I think it also just like It's important to have representation and like Noodle for noodle relationships <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah. So all that is happening. All the things that I just said are actually happening at the castle. Yeah. Um, And Anne is, Anne has like taken over. She's like outwardly talking against the queen. And for a time the people are on her side, you know, the king has proposed to her and said that as soon as all of this business is taken care of, she, he, she's going to marry her and everything will be all right. And you know she's going around acting like she's already the queen, and Mary finds it very distasteful, especially because she knows he, she only wants it for power and not for true love. Yeah, you know. Meanwhile, she's like, "Oh, I can't love the the horseman twenty year twenty years ago, Eddie Redmayne, <laughs> because I my devotion to my family is too strong." And she spends a lot of time thinking about how all she wants is to never go back to court again, but to live as a farmer's wife, to, like, get a farm and, like, live somewhere, like, on her family's, like, uh, ancestral estates.
2: Yeah, and meanwhile, Eddie Redminer is like, hey, I am a farmer. I'm looking for a wife. That would be a farmer's wife. (laughs)
1: You know, that thing sometimes you, like one sees this in like writing how to write a book advice. And it's like, you know, sometimes your characters are telling you things. And you should listen to them. Like if your characters are being like, I don't understand what's going on. You know, that's like maybe you as the writer should be like, oh, like maybe I don't understand what's going on. So the fact that the main character in this book is constantly being like, I don't want to be in this story. I don't want to be yeah. in this thing. <laughs> like, please release me from this narrative. <laughs> I don't want to be in this narrative. It's like, philippa gregory like your main character is like screaming at you to not be in this book anymore and yet that's the first like a thousand pages of the book so yeah
0: so also during this time we learn george kind of like jokingly but not jokingly is venting about his wife jane parker to his sisters because occasionally when anne is in a good mood she will invite she will order mary back to court And so Mary will leave her children and go back to court to be a lady in waiting for Anne. And Anne likes to hold this over her. Like, now you're the other Bolin girl and I'm the one that he favors. And she's like, fuck this. I don't care. Like, you're the only one who cares about this. Uh, but George uh, George is venting to his sisters and it's like yeah like uh, my, my wife Jane Parker she's the worst like she was like oh like she always wants to have sex and I'm like I don't want to have sex with you and then like the other day she was like well would you like want me to get you a girl and then I can watch you have sex with a girl and I was like ew no and then she was like do you want me to get you a boy and I can watch you have sex with a boy and there's like silence <laughs> and they're yeah. like, why would she say that <laughs> And at least in my version, he just kind of awkwardly is like, oh, well, yeah, I guess there is this guy that I've been fucking. (laughs) Yeah, no, in the main
2: book, it's pretty much, I think that's the first real time and that's very abrupt and then like they move on from it.
1: The whole Jane Parker plot line. And this is, I, I don't know, I feel like this is always how she's represented. It's just this like busybody asshole who like is not cool enough to be with the Boleyns or whatever but which is also sort of like not fair to her. But the fact it's like, oh, he's always like, oh, Jane Parker, my wife, she's such a bitch. I hate her. She's like, she sucks. It's like, yeah, like, no, like this is why she's not like you treat her horribly. Like, how do you think she's going to behave? Like, of course she's not like, like you clearly hate her out loud in front of other people. It's like, oh, she's such a bitch. Like, yeah, of course she is. Like anyone would be married to you. Like my God.
0: Yeah. So we, we learn that. And then like Mary, I I can't either. Mary or Anne like asks him a question about his BFF Francis, who he's always with, and he's like, "Oh no, like uh, not me and Francis, unless." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> By the end of the book, he and Francis are for sure hooking up. But now that Anne, you know the. Henry has declared himself the head of the Church of England. He's killed everybody who thinks that, like with Anne whispering in his ear, like Anne has been whispering in his ear, like, you're the king, you can do what you want. Like, you can divide from the church, you can make your own church, you can do this. If you make your own church, we can get married. So he does that. He he leaves the Catholic Church, he creates the Church of England, he makes himself the head of it, he beheads everyone who speaks out against him, he sends... Catherine away and he marries Anne and at this point everyone's kind of like during the trial Catherine shows up in court and is like I all I've ever wanted to do is be a good wife to you like tell me how I could have could be a better wife to you and like everyone is and she like humbles herself in front of him and everyone there is like oh my god like she's so pious she's so wonderful like she's so like calm and you know all this shit and So then the tide starts to turn, and suddenly people don't love Anne and want Catherine to leave. Everyone loves Catherine and thinks that Anne's a bitch. Yeah. They,
2: like, boo her when she goes out in public. By the way, one of the details casually dropped in this book about how pious Catherine is is that she wears a hair shirt every day. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. And I googled it, and I just want everyone to know that the top hit, if you google... Catherine Aragon hair shirt is Anne's website. Yeah, and yeah, (laughs) congratulations to you, Anne, on that like prime SEO. Mm -hmm. And and yeah, Mm -hmm. I guess she did wear a hair shirt because she was because she was a real freak for God. Yeah, no, she was. She and her mother
1: was, and her grandmother was, and it was a whole thing. But yeah, the whole thing in this book about kind of like where everyone, it's like very sort of like mean girls, that part where they're like, no, everyone loves Anne. Oh, no, everyone likes, hates Anne. And they like Catherine instead. It's like no one ever liked Anne was kind <laughs> of part <that> of the issue. <laughs> everyone always liked Catherine. Yeah. So any of the parts in here where they're like, everyone loves Anne, it's like, mm, no one did. Like when she was queen, <laughs> they were like, I guess she's the queen, so we have to be nice. But ugh. like,
0: anyway. Yeah. So they get married. Now that they're married, like a lot of the pressure is off Mary and she's like, this is great. I can go off. I can marry my horseman and... I and like because he left my uncle's service to get a farm and he loves my kids and we're gonna like have a family together and it's gonna be great because no one will need me in court anymore because my sister is a queen and she's gonna have a baby for the king and will be a boy and my family will be absolved me and my kids will be absolved of our duties and we can live the pastoral life that I imagine but of course that's not how it works out and gives birth to a girl and then she has several miscarriages and, and the, the girl is Elizabeth Yes. And who goes on to do well for herself? She did. I Philip
1: Gregory did write more than one book about her. Oh,
2: nice. By the way, I did you mention the part where her other where her Benedict Cumberbatch husband died abruptly off page of
0: The Sweat? <laughs> oh, the no. The Sweating knif- Yeah. <laughs> he did. Uh, he did. So <laughs> she She's, But Anne, now that she's queen, she realizes that all of the, like, whispering in Henry's ear to get him to realize he can do whatever he wants means that he can now use all of that against her and sleep with random other girls and not, like, you know, do all of the things that she she told him he could do with her while he was still married to Catherine, he can now do to other girls and so she's like paranoid and angry and like she can't have a boy and she keeps having miscarriages and she's very temperamental so mary and her horseman william are like what if we get married in secret and then i'll just tell my family about it eventually Mm -hmm. uh Mm -hmm. and she puts it off until she's like she gets pregnant by horseman and is like visibly pregnant when Anne calls yeah, her to with court the, with a centaur <laughs> 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 when, when Anne calls her to court because she's pregnant again you know she's like oh you're just rubbing into my face that you're pregnant she's like oh like I, I married him so surprise
1: this is like a true thing that Mary Boleyn like she was you know mistress of the king of France mistress of Henry the 8th Um, She had a Benedict Cumberbatch husband who died of the sweat. And then she married this guy. She married this horseman. She did. And it was sort of scandalous because like, you know, women of her station can just like choose some horseman to marry. And so she was she was there was, I think, a schism. I think she was sent away from court for that because it's like you married Eddie Redmayne. (laughs) How dare you? So,
0: you know, know, accurate, accurate plot moment here. Yes. But then Anne gets pregnant again and went and calls for her and says, like, you can come and like, you can bring your family, but they can't come to the castle. And she's like, that's fucking fine. And she notices that like, Anne and George are acting real shady about her pregnancy. And like, when she first feels the baby, when Anne first feels the baby move, she's like, quick, go tell George. And she's like, Mary's like, why would I tell George? And she's like, I met Henry, slip of the tongue. Ha <laughs> ha. The book very is very, very clumsy in this whole weird subplot. She's pregnant and it's great and everyone's happy and she's so excited. And then she goes into labor really early and she has a stillbirth, and the stillbirth is deformed. And it's the a midwife Woman <laughs> devil, baby. Yes. The midwife is there. It's like you gave her it to a monster, you made a deal with the devil, and during – I don't remember if it was during her labor or a little bit earlier, she had dropped all of these and these hints that, like, she walked, like, down the devil's path to have this child and she was going to have it, and, like, da-da-da-da-da, and, like, the things that she did, and, like, Mary's terrified that she did a witch spell or something, but, like, there's no way of talking about it, and then, you know, she has – she has this this stillbirth and it's terrible and then the king well and and mary tries to bribe
2: the midwife to not tell anybody about the monster baby and the midwife is like nope
0: i've been pre bribed bye (laughs) yeah and the, the king either right before this or right after this has a a fall during a jousting tournament and is injured very badly and they think he's near death so they're like well shit like he's gonna die. Everyone's gonna hate us. We haven't produced an air yet. We just produced a monster and a girl, and like we're gonna be fucked. And but he survives. And Jane Seymour, who's one of Anne's ladies in waiting, has caught his eye, and he's spending and, all his time she, with her now. She's the only one he
2: truly loved. She's yes. the one from Six
1: the musical, the one who sings the like most I uh, like hot take boring song in that musical.
0: Oh yeah. Hot correct take. Okay, good. Yeah. <laughs> and so she she's spending all this time and then Anne is like losing her mind. She's furious. And she's like yells at her in front of the king, which isn't done. And everything's just unraveling. And the king starts getting really like sh- suspicious and shady and going off like in secret and not telling Anne where He's going and then one day Mary is like so confused about all this and goes to her uncle who's kind of like the head of their family who does all these backroom deals and is like, what's going on? And he's like, if I were you, I would take your children and leave and be very far away from here soon. And she's like, that doesn't explain anything. He's like, "Mm, I'm just saying that if, if I were you... I would hightail it out of here with your normie husband and your kids and not ever look back or talk to anyone from this family ever again. Uh, So she sends her husband to go collect her children. And then the next day, her brother and sister are arrested and tried for witchcraft and incest and buggery and, I don't know, demon worship and... Uh, like a hundred other stupid things. Yeah. And at first it's like, oh, you know, she asked her father what's going to happen to them because, and he's like, you should probably get out of here. And she's like, well, you know, I want to stay, like what's going to happen to my siblings? And he's like, oh, they'll probably be exiled. And it's like, oh no, they're both beheaded. (laughs) Well, this is like, this harkens back to like the very, very,
1: very opening scene where she's watching the public execution of a man and she like this little noodle she's just like oh the king is just gonna like make it seem like he's gonna execute this guy and then at the last minute he's gonna be like you learned your lesson you little scamp you're not gonna be executed and then the book ends with her being like oh the king's not really gonna execute them are they and i'm like wow you've learned nothing like 13 yep. year old you 23 year old you it's like there's been no personal like being in this court intrigue she's still just the same little like little twerp.
2: Also, she can't leave because her 12-year-old daughter, Catherine, and took her to the Tower of London to serve as her lady-in-waiting in jail. And so, uh, Mary has to stay to, like, wait and make sure that her daughter doesn't get, like, caught up and executed as, like, an accessory to all of this.
0: Mm-hmm. Which is a bummer. Um, but they do escape. She does get her daughter. And she and her husband and their two other kids and her daughter leave go to go back to their country estate because they are too good and innocent to be executed publicly and they made good choices in life unlike her bitch sister and (laughs) gay brother Uh Mm uh-huh the end was there anything not covered by that that was in the other what 18 hours of the book that i didn't listen to Was the part, did you hear the part
1: about where Anne Boleyn poisons the, like, people's dinner and kills the people? Oh, yeah. Yes. Okay, yeah, you got the part. Because that's another controversial moment because, like, Anne Boleyn did not poison and murder people that we know of.
2: Yeah, but wouldn't it have been cool if she did? Here's the thing. I love – like <laughs> Anne Boleyn in the book – like, I've
1: got a real – like, the book is so nothing. Like, Anne Boleyn in this book is my favorite part of this book. She's just, like, this chaotic evil <laughs> – like, I'm like, you know, when you were saying there's this stuff about the, like, gay sex rituals, whatever, to make the demon baby, I'm like, I want to read that book. Why? Why are we not reading that book? Why yeah. is this book just being like, ooh, significant looks between Anne and George? I'm like, no. I want to know <laughs> what she did when she's like, I went all the way to hell and back. I'm like, did she? Can we see that in the book?
0: Right. <laughs> I would love to read the gay witchcraft version of this.
2: Mm-hmm. But yeah, Kate, I don't think you missed anything. And no. I don't. It's so long. And it's so there's so many like disgusting sexual and like body fluid talk that doesn't it's not it's not horny like it's not erotic it's gross
0: i just i can't imagine 18 hours Mm -hmm. there are 18 hours of this book that i did not listen to
2: Uh, you're so lucky
0: but i somehow managed to hear everything that you guys heard Mm -hmm.
2: you're so lucky 18
0: hours
1: there's just a lot of, like, Mary being like, I wish I could live in the countryside.
2: <laughs> yeah. Like,
0: I could have watched an entire season of Great British Bake Off, almost yeah. two entire seasons of Great British Bake Off in the 18 hours of this mm-hmm. book that were cut out for the abridged version.
2: hmm you could, you could have watched six the musical, like, ten times.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
2: Uh, um and also like everything about this like there's a fair amount of discussion of fashion which i do like an outfit description but somehow she doesn't ever describe the outfits in a good way or like in a comprehensive way like she talks a lot about like oh they were wearing french hoods but now they're wearing gable hoods which doesn't really like I walked around and I was like, I have to Google hood and Gable hood because I still don't know what the fuck you're talking well, about. There's a
1: lot of, like, in the, like, sexy scenes with her and the horseman, there's a lot of, like, my stomacher, and I'm like, what? I assume that's the yes. front of the dress? But yeah, she uses a lot of clothing descriptions without explaining what the words are that she's using.
2: Yeah. Yeah, and, like, again, at least with Outlander, like, those sex scenes were horny, complimentary, and these are not... <laughs> It's not even like there's not sex scenes as much as like
1: kind of like a fade to black door close. But then there's these very frank discussions of like sexual acts between the siblings, like advising each other what sexual acts to do and like teaching each other and stuff where it's just like, what is this? Why are you telling me this?
0: I would say there was less of that in the abridged version. There would have to be.
2: (laughs) (laughs) It's just, yeah, nothing nothing in it was pleasurable to read. No, this is where I was
1: like, I compared Anne Boleyn in this to Rasputin in the Anastasia animated yeah. film. <laughs> and this is where I just wanted Anne Boleyn to just burn everything down and just like ride off on a dragon into the sky vibes where it's just like, she, I don't even know if she, like I know people are mad about her characterization in this, but I'm like, she was too good for this book. Like she deserved oh, yeah. a better book to be a character in. <laughs> Like, free yeah. Anne Boleyn from this book.
0: Yeah. It was It was just – I kept thinking, like, who is this for?
1: <laughs> it was, like, the first – I don't know. It's not even, like, the first, like, major Tudor novel because there's lots of um, other authors who were writing stuff like this before, like, decades before. But even, like, in the 90s, in the 2000s. But somehow this book just really took off and sparked this, like, Tudor – mania why was it just like people who didn't know the story of like henry VIII, like divorced his wife to be with anne boleyn and is it just like learning that story for the first time is so interesting to people that they just like want to learn more like why would this book be so popular i don't know and people still love it like when i ask my listeners i'm like what are your thoughts on this book they're like oh i loved it it's what got me into history i'm like and then yes. i read it and i'm just like i don't this book Uh
0: this book Uh uh-oh it's so long and then like at least like we complain that not a lot happens in outlander but like oh i'll never say that again if yeah it felt like a lot more happened than in this book which is wild (laughs) (laughs) because nothing happens in outlander
2: yeah and i wonder like i think that there is a pleasure to be had in like learning about forgotten characters from history and like learning things that you, that, you know, stuff your teacher didn't tell you about. And I would say, you know, like, yeah, like Mary Boleyn and this, the story isn't necessarily covered in your average history class, but I don't feel like I gained a lot from this. Yeah. Yeah. I think another
1: thing that this book allegedly, um, was, partially in a good way responsible for was more books being written about like lesser known women from history and whatever. And that's also good. But again, I'm just like this book led to that upswing trend like this book, like would would anyone leave this book being like, you know, what, I want to learn more about Mary Boleyn. No. And but it should because she actually was really interesting and scandalous. But you read this book, you're like, wow, that was just like a really basic, boring person. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> okay like i see why history hasn't talked about her she was very boring
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh should we move on to our dramatic readings mm-hmm. Yes. all right so first up is is one of the scenes where they talk about sex in a way that is gross and not erotic and Anne will play Anne, which hopefully won't be too confusing um and i'll be mary Does he not think badly of you? These are whore's tricks you're playing with him.
1: I have to do something to keep him hot for my touch. I have to keep him coming forward and hold him off, all at the same time.
2: There are other things you can do. Tell me. You can let him watch you. Let him watch me do what? Let him watch you while you touch yourself. He loves that, It makes him almost weep with lust. She looked intensely uncomfortable for shame you let him watch you undress one thing then another very slowly last of all you lift your shift and put your fingers to your cunny and open it up to show him i couldn't do it and you can take him in your mouth what she looked at me with unveiled disgust you can kneel before him and take it in your mouth he loves that too you've done that with him I was his whore, and our brother has his stewardships, and our father is a wealthy man because of it. When he lay on his back, I would lie on him and kiss him down from his mouth to his parts, and then lick his parts like a cat lipping at milk. Then I would take him in my mouth and suck on it. Anne's face was a picture of curiosity and revulsion. And did he like that? Yes. He adored it. It gave him as great a pleasure as anything else, and you can look as if you cannot bear the thought of it. You can set yourself up as high as you like, but if you have to hold him with horse tricks, then you had better learn some new horse tricks and do them well. I'm sure that the queen never did such a thing. No, but she was his beloved wife that he married for love, and you and I are just whores. And every time they said the phrase whore's tricks, I just thought of Job from Arrested Development <laughs> <laughs> being like, a trick is what a whore turns for money. <laughs> these, these are illusions, Henry.
1: <laughs> I just have two two things I want to say about that scene. Firstly, women in this time period did not undress themselves because their clothes were so complicated so it would almost be like you let him watch you undress as like three women like undo all your stuff <laughs> like
2: but I also like your and your French hood and whatnot yeah, your
1: gabled hood but then also the part where he's like you can let him watch let me watch me do what that's giving me like Ryan Gosling in the Barbie trailer like
0: <laughs> spend the night what will we do <laughs>
1: <sighs> Ugh. Yeah. But again, this is, like, this scene was, like, shocking to me in the sense of, like, Mary in this whole book has been, like, oh, true love is so important to me. I love being a mother. I like breastfeeding. And then here she's, like, you can suck his dick. And I'm, like, what?
2: <laughs> yeah, and Anne, the, like, sultry seductress is, like, I've never heard of such a thing.
1: Yeah, it's so
2: weird. And Like, what is this book
0: doing? Th- yeah. This part was not in the abridged version. Oh.
2: Oh well <laughs> lucky you. you
1: you really missed out and there's,
2: a, there's like a lot of this
1: <laughs> and it's like yeah i don't and this how much of a better book would it be if it was if it was the sort of like mary boleyn who had been like the mistress of the french king and now she's the mistress behind the eighth and she's like hey here's my sex tricks that's a cool scene yeah but this is like
2: or or if it was the gay witch circle <laughs> yes
1: <laughs> Yeah, and if it wasn't like two sisters talking about the man that they're both having sex with.
2: Right. That's like another (laughs) level of just like, okay, like, okay. Speaking of them being two sisters, for the next dramatic reading, Anne will continue to play Anne, but I'll let Kate have a turn at Mary. All right. And this is a scene I chose.
1: You know, it was, when I was going through the book, um, I was like, what will be good for dramatic reading? And I had this Sweet Valley High thing in my mind. And this was like the most Jessica and Elizabeth Wakefield scene. So I had
0: to choose it. What's going on? I asked. Gowns? She turned, her hands clasped behind her back, demure as a schoolgirl. He's courting me. Openly. And he is my
1: lover. You weren't here, were you? You'd strolled off to Heaver. You wanted your children more than him. You weren't exactly... hot.
0: And you are?
1: There was a certain heat in the air this summer. Hashtag hot Berlin summer.
0: <laughs> you were supposed to keep him interested in me, not fling him off course. He's a man! Easier to interest than turn away. I am curious about one thing, I said. If the words had been knives, I would have thrown them blade-first into her self-satisfied, smiling face. Clearly, you have his attention if he's giving you such gifts. You have moved upward at court. You are the favorite. She nodded. Her satisfaction hung around her like the warm scent of a stroked cat. Clearly, you do this despite the fact that he is my acknowledged lover. I was told to. You were not told to supplant me.
1: I can't help it if he desires me. She said, her tone like milk. The court is filled with men who desire me. Do I encourage them?
0: No. It's me you're talking to, remember, not one of your fools. I know that you encourage everybody. She gave me that same bland smile. Would you hope for Anne to be his mistress, to push me out of my place? At once, the smug joy in her face was replaced by an absorbed thoughtfulness.
1: Yes, I suppose so, but it's a risk. Risk? If I let him have me, the chances are he'll lose interest. He's hard to hold. I don't find
0: him so. I scored a small point.
1: You get nothing. And he married off Bessie Blount to a nobody when he had finished with her. She get nothing from it either.
0: I bit my tongue so hard that I could taste the blood in my mouth. If you say so, Anne.
1: I think I'll hold out, hold out till he sees that I'm not a Bessie Blount and not a Mary Boleyn, a greater thing by far, hold out till he sees that he has to make me an offer, a very great offer. So many cat metaphors.
2: Duarte will have much to say about that. I was thinking like him. (laughs) All right. Our final dramatic reading will incorporate a little bit of George's gay witchcraft Um, and Anne will continue to be Anne, and
0: Kate will be Mary again, and I'll be George. It's more than that. They say that Sir Francis is George's lover. Anne's eyes widened. She reached for George at once. George, no! Absolutely not. She turned a cold face to me.
1: Don't come to me with your nasty stories, Mary. You're as bad as Jane Parker.
0: You had better take
2: care. Any mud thrown at you sticks to us all. There's no mud,
0: nothing at all. You had better be sure. Nothing at all. We left her to rest and went out to find the rest of the court, who were playing quoits with the king. Who spoke of me, William? He was not spreading scandal. He knew I would be afraid for you. He laughed carelessly, but I heard the strain <laughs> in his voice.
2: Ha <laughs> ha. I love Francis. I can't see a finer man in the world. A braver, sweeter, better man never lived. And I cannot help but desire him.
0: You love him like a woman? Like a man. (laughs) A more passionate thing by far. George, this is a dreadful sin, and he will break your heart. This is a disastrous course. If our uncle knew... If anyone knew, I'd be ruined outright. Can you not stop seeing him? Can you stop seeing William Stafford? It's not the same. What you're describing is not the same. Nothing like it. William loves me honorably and truly, and I love him. But this... You're not without sin.
2: You're just lucky. It is luck to love someone who is free to love you in return. But I don't. I just desire him, desire him, and desire him, and I
0: wait for it to burn out. Sorry about being living in Tudor England, George. Right. I love him like a man.
1: <laughs> so much more passionate
2: I know, and I like. I like that. I will. I want more of this.
1: Hmm. Hmm. Again, like I think these dramatic readings are giving a misleading impression of this book having like things happening and people talking in it.
2: <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, just imagine us reading ten more hours of nothing. And I just want to
1: bring up, and this is like maybe the um, listeners can explain this to me, but there's a sequence later when, again, the sisters were talking about like the horse tricks, and one of them oh. mentions like, you know, I, I taught you to do things with your mouth and your hand and your hair, and I was like, what? W- what were the tricks with the hair? What would that it's be? Brimping.
0: They were brimping. What's that? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it is it is a joke from the comic sex criminals
1: i mean i don't know there's some pretty advanced horse tricks in this book but they don't explain <laughs> <Yeah>. them thoroughly
2: <laughs> well speaking of sex criminals let's move on to reader's advisory and suggest some stuff to read instead of or in addition to the other boleyn girl if it's not clear do not recommend this book my god maybe the abridged version Um, a couple that, I mean, I've already mentioned six, the musical nonstop bangers, much shorter than this and, uh, more progressive has moved, moved beyond the narrative of women simply competing for each other. Doesn't have any men actually in it at all. So just like much improved does have a glitter cannon. So yeah, it's for me, chef's kiss. And then there is a young adult novel called Fatal Throne, The Wives of Henry VIII Tell All. And it's co-written by seven people. And so Candace Fleming, Jennifer Donnelly, Stephanie Hemphill, Deborah Hopkinson, Linda Sue Park, and Lisa Ann Sandel each write from one of the six wives. And then my beloved weirdo freak author MT Anderson writes from Henry's point of view, which is the only like that's the main reason I heard of it because I'll just read whatever MT Anderson puts out into the world. And you should too, because he's a he's a weirdo freak and he's great at it. But um you know it's better than this. It's not my favorite MT Anderson book, but it's it's interesting. And like the the change of authors gives everyone a unique voice. Unlike this book. I wanted to recommend if people want to read
1: about like literally Anne Boleyn herself. And I think I'm sure a lot of people like enjoy Six the Musical and then want to learn more about the history. There's a nonfiction book called The Creation of Anne Boleyn by Susan Bordeaux, which talks about things like the myths and like what were people writing about her? And like, was she an evil witch and whatever? And sort of interrogates them. But it's very readable. It's like popular history. It's not. There's a lot of academic things. I do not recommend Retha Wernicke's writing. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, she's
2: discredited.
1: No, she is. Yeah. And then if you want to just like read, I don't know, Alison Weir writes fiction and also nonfiction. And she's written one novel from the point of view of each of the wives. And then she finished that. But the series is so successful. She just wrote one from Henry's point of view. It's like finally his story. And I'm like, uh, I feel like his story has been what we've been hearing for 500 years. His story is not little known. And then if you just want to read more, like, books that are, like, more, like, queer and interesting and, like, have things happening in them that are historical fiction, A Tip for the Hangman by Alison Epstein is set in Elizabethan times, and the main character is a gay spy. So, you know, Mm. happen. And Empty Theater by Jack Gems is about Empress Cece, and it's really weird and bananas and interesting. It's about, I don't know. Anyway, those are just, like, good books that are historical fiction that have events that happen in them. (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
2: <laughs> <laughs> wow that sounds thrilling um and you should listen to vulgar history podcast cause... yes yes you I can know. learn lots
1: of, <laughs> that i i only do stories of interesting people that's the thing that's the thing it's my podcast and i don't talk about people whose lives are boring
2: but we do sometimes because yes. we have to <laughs> <laughs> all right, well, we'll have all of these and some other ones. Maybe we didn't get a chance to talk to about our website, which is worstbestsellers.com. And now it's time for The Rock Paper Snicked, where Kate will say who Dwayne the Rock Johnson would be if you were in this book, and I'll say who Wolverine would be if you were in this book. And Anne can choose which most enhances the book, or she can choose paper, which is to leave the book as is.
0: Uh, If The Rock was in this book, he would be one of the guys in the king's court at the time that Mary is there, right around the time that Anne shows up and Mary starts to take, you know, catch the king's eye. And The Rock would give Mary a, a good sitting down and explain to her that this is a bad idea all around and it doesn't really mesh with what her personal goals are. And her personal beliefs and that she really needs to have the self-confidence to stand up for herself and be loyal to who she wants to be loyal to and stand true to her beliefs. And it will keep her from being, you know, a uh, wet piece of crumpled up paper who is not, has no backbone and doesn't stand up for anything or do anything she wants to do. And will keep, hopefully, this whole mess from going down that path and starting to happen in the first place and I don't know. I don't know if it would change the course of history, of English history, but you know, maybe Mary could just have her boring life embroidering and not get embroiled in all of this mess.
2: Uh, if Wolverine were in this book, he would be a gay witch and there would be (laughs) a little bit more focus on him and his activities. You know, he's, he's immortal. He's, He's sexy, he's gay, he knows how to do horse tricks if he feels like it. Uh, Some might say he's the best there is at what he does, and uh, and George Boleyn might learn about it. Oh my goodness! When I when I
1: was like, oh my god, I'm so excited! I get to be in worst bestsellers, and I was reading the book, and then when you shared the Google Doc, I'm like, oh, I get to do rock paper Snicked. I was so excited. And this is Yay. an impossible decision. Those are both great because first of all, I like picturing the Wolverine and also the Rock wearing like pantaloons, like oh, yeah. tutor like the Rock <laughs> and like Tudor style garb would be. <laughs> but also Wolverine, this is great. Is it an option to choose both? Because it's- no, you must choose i must choose one or the other yes then i'm gonna choose wolverine because that would just make the book be a lot more exciting but i like the rock option because that would make this book not happen
0: yeah mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: yeah
2: but they're both really strong choices yeah thank you for playing and you know we like to think it's a game where everyone wins
0: it's true
2: uh except for mary melin i guess Yeah. Uh, you know what, she did. She got her happy ending on her farm with her with her little centaur horseman.
1: Is there a reading um, of this book that is like Mary Boleyn's unholy pact? Like everyone like devastation in her wake, but she gets her happy ending. Like that's kind of interesting. If you think, like, did she cause all of this because
2: sort of like a, wa- like a vision type thing? She knew the secret. <gasps> <laughs> it pans out and you see her vision board. Yes.
0: <laughs> Like a a big tapestry that's been embroidered hand embroidered all over.
2: (laughs) Yeah, with just babies and then like her (laughs) sister with an X over it. (laughs) (sighs) All right, let's move on to Duarte's corner and, and give my cat Duarte the chance to weigh in. Yeah, Dorote, I also was very upset when she described the blowjob as being like a cat lapping at cream. And I'm sorry I said it again. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry.
0: Yeah, Dorote, you should have listened to the abridged audiobook because that part definitely was not in there. I think probably when Mary is out on the farm, she probably did have some
2: farm cats. And that's nice. What What was the quote from the
1: other one? It was something about like, she was as happy as a cat that was being petted in the sun. I was like, that's an interesting image.
2: Oh, yeah, that's nice. Oh, yeah, the
1: satisfaction hung around her like the warm scent of a stroked cat.
2: <laughs> yeah, stroked cat, again, is not a phrase I love. No, but. yeah. The warm scent of a stroked cat? Yeah,
1: yeah. Okay. Yeah.
2: <laughs> Georgie was asleep curled up and then when i said his name and started talking about this he like got up and looked at me and fled the room so
0: <laughs> he's going sorry. to find the imposter Dorte that you were talking to
2: yeah <laughs> sorry to to bring up these memories Dorte. um all right do any humans have any closing thoughts um don't read this book yeah mm-hmm. don't but, read it but if you do
1: love this book then like good for you and also there's lots of other books on this topic that maybe you will also enjoy.
2: Yeah. If this book got you in, interested in history, like that's cool. That's a cool hobby to pursue. I hope you, I hope you pursued it, you know, further down the library shelves.
1: Yeah. yeah. There's shorter books. Um, oh, there's books that are more interesting. Um, there's books that are less problematic. Yeah. Oh. Um, yeah, I don't Better know.
0: Researched perhaps.
1: <laughs> that don't rely on one discredited outcast from academia. <laughs>
2: yeah. Better gay witchcraft books for sure. Yes. Yeah. 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 All right. well, if you want to come talk to us about gay witchcraft or sex or you know, non-gross ways to describe cats. Uh, we are on Facebook and Instagram at worst bestseller spelled normally we're on twitter at worst bestseller with no s because our our twitter handle was actually beheaded because of all of our spicy hot takes <laughs> but um when you look at the word like the b has a belly there's no d so there's no there's no butt, and then the s is the head of the word and it's so
0: it got cut off <laughs> you can find us on stitcher apple podcasts amazon spotify all of the places where podcasts live and if you do find us there please take a moment to rate and review when you rate and review it moves us up on the charts it makes it easier for new people to find us if you don't rate and review then we're going to force you to abandon your children at your country estate and come back to court and be a beautiful lady in waiting so maybe that's not as much of a deterrent for some of our listeners. Uh, you're gonna have yeah. to put on a gabled hood yeah
2: <laughs> not the french hoodie like. Suck.
0: <laughs> we also have a patreon at patreon.com slash worst bestsellers patreon is a service where you offer a small monthly recurring donation that goes to us to do things like keep our web hosting up and running and keep our equipment up to date and in return there are perks for you like a monthly bonus podcast episode about what we're into and discounts on merch speaking of merch we do have merch available. Uh, And you can go to worstbestsellers.com and click on our merch tab to see all sorts of designs based on our podcasts that you can wear on your body. Uh, And finally, we do have a Discord server for fans of the show to chat about the show, but also things that aren't the show, like television and movies and memes. Uh, You can find that linked from worstbestsellers.com as well. Guys, I just now – I meant to look this up earlier, but I didn't. I just looked up
2: gabled hood, and it looks fucking stupid. <laughs> like, Anne was right. The French hood looks better.
1: Yeah, yeah. I did, like – it was, like, another Mean Girls-esque thing where, like, all of the court is like, ooh, let's all wear the French hood because we're, like, Anne Boleyn. It's like, oh, now let's wear this because, like, Regina George is, like, the cutout in her shirt, like
2: – Yes, it's very – that like, the gabled hood – I mean, it's gabled like a house. It gives them, like, a pointy head like a little house on your head oh i know what oh, you mean. that is stupid looking
1: that. yeah that's like insult to injury
2: yeah and they don't wear those in six nobody is out here having a gabled hood in six the musical I'll the outfits that.
1: in six the musical are outstanding but yeah for anne boleyn to be like you know in the middle of her downfall jane seymour is getting prominence and now everyone's wearing these fucking like houses on their heads like <laughs> just the Ugh. devastation um i just remembered one more historical accuracy slash inaccuracy i forgot to mention before which is that anne Boleyn did not fuck her brother i wanted to just mention that (laughs) Um, are you sure
2: i think he was was wasn't even like a rumor yeah
1: he was i think one of the men who was like accused of having affairs with her she was arrested like for affairs not for witchcraft and she also Mm -hmm. didn't have she didn't have affairs with anybody she was married to the king like of course she didn't but she did not sleep with her brother i think they just kind of threw that in there to be like extra make people think she's gross but yeah. this book was like, but what if she did fuck her brother? Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. And then I read a quote from Philip Gregory where she was like, you know, I think it's on her website or mo- I don't think it was in the authors afterward, but it was anyway. Philip Gregory said, like, well, Anne Boleyn, like, you know, she really knew she went- had to get pregnant. And I think that she really, you know, she suspected Henry had trouble, like, with fertility, she would have turned to someone that she trusted. And her brother was someone she trusted. So yeah, I think. And I'm like, <sighs> Philip Gregory, like, Fuck you like oh my god fucking wild.
2: but i by the way i have a closing thought from her from the reader's oh, guide from the book question what do you want people to take away from the other Berlin girl first i'd like them to take away a terrific reading experience which has absorbed them and moved them and excited them no, no. i <laughs> fail x i'd like them to have a new vision of the tutor period and some interesting information about the role of women and the inequality of english society no. Failed. I <laughs> hope they understand that while the Tudor court was glamorous, was it? No, <laughs> there was deep poverty, and that was a normal way of life. What? Okay. That wasn't in the book. Yeah. Um. I guess they talk about gambling. Do they? Uh, I don't know. Uh. I hope they get a sense of the Tudor landscape, the courts, and the city of London and the countryside. No. No. And <laughs> I hope they get an insight into the psychology of the characters.
0: Well, Uh, I mean, psychopathic
2: in the case of Anne.
0: Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. you did make up the psychology of the characters. It does not appear to be necessarily based on real life. So, yeah, yeah. Anyway, Anne, where can people find vulgar history?
1: So vulgar history, the podcast, you can find it in all the same places where your podcast is, um, and then I have an Instagram at vulgar history pod. Um, it's similar to how yours is like sometimes the word is a bit different. Like someone else already had vulgar history on Instagram when I joined Instagram, and it's like a very sexual account. So like you could follow them for very sexual content, but follow vulgar history pod <laughs> for like podcast content. Um, and then I also have a TikTok that's vulgar history. I I have a Twitter, but I've mostly abandoned that. So
2: yeah that's fair uh you're so brave to have a tiktok
1: yeah i yeah i it's new and i'm figuring it out and that's where i'm learning anyway there's there's some nice people and there's some weirdos but the the tutor and the that's true tutor fandom is there it's true yeah interesting but yeah i, I posted a tiktok about henry the eighth and like people were like commenting and someone like out of nowhere mentioned Philippa gregory and i'm just like what do you how do you know how do you know i'm about to talk about a Philippa <laughs> like, Philip hive is like a real thing and i hope they know that i love them even though i didn't love this book
2: <laughs> yeah you you can disagree and not get beheaded as long as you're chill mm-hmm. exactly and and not a gay witch <laughs> <laughs> um i by the way, Fully, I think half of our listeners are gay witches, and I love you guys. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. hope you understand that.
0: <laughs> half my social circle is gay witches, so... Yeah. Yeah, we're we're a
2: pro-gay witch podcast. Absolutely. So so am I. Yes. For sure. Excellent. And I'm at Renata Snacks
0: on social media. And I'm at 14across on social media. And what do we have coming up next, Renata? We're up back in two weeks with Spare by Prince Harry. Ooh i am so excited you're doing that
1: i can't wait to listen to it
2: anyway and thank you so much for joining us this was a delight and thank you for thank you for educating us about how anne boleyn was fucking cooler than this book makes yeah. her seem
1: yeah and yeah thank you very much for inviting me on your podcast it was a thrill i
2: um i'm sorry that this is the book that we
1: read <laughs> but i feel like this makes for a good podcast episode
2: yes yeah we can't always have little treats for ourselves like we can't can't all be Nora Roberts I guess sometimes it's this
0: well we'll see y'all in two weeks yeah bye bye
1: Hashtag Hot Boleyn Summer.